Amen. Amen, amen. We on? We good? Great. Hey, listen, real quick, I didn't mean uh, to, at the top, be super emotional and sentimental, but if he dresses the lilies with beauty and splendor, how much more will he clothe you? If he watches over every sparrow, how much more does he love you? And I want you to know those aren't just like catchy lyrics of a song that comes straight from the Sermon on the Mount from Jesus in Matthew 6. And I just feel like I'm supposed to read this over you uh, before we even get into the message tonight. So these are Jesus' words, okay, in Matthew 6. That's where this song lyrics comes from. Here's what it says. It says, Therefore I I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they are? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was just like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, FCA. Do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What are we going to drink? Where am I going to have a job when I graduate? Who am I going to marry? What am I, I going to do when I grow up? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father... He knows what you need. Man. That'll ruin a spiritual moment, quick. Am I safe to put it back up? You, yeah. No? Man, that's, uh, that, was, that was awesome. Hey, back to what I was saying, seriously. Listen, listen. As I'm worshiping, listening to that song, I realize that um, mental health is a big deal right now, especially in young adults. Anxiety, worry, fear, it's running rampant, right? But I just want you to know that text in Matthew 6, it makes it very clear that the antidote to your worry and to your fear is understanding that your heavenly Father is crazy about you. If you're in Christ, if you put your faith in Jesus, your Father is crazy about you. He delights in you. He smiles at you when you wake up. He's crazy about you. And I don't know who that was for, but I just felt like I was supposed to say that at the top of of, of the night. And so anyways, how's everyone doing? Welcome back to Old Main. Yeah. Uh, my, my name is Glenn, uh, like they said, and I want you to know, I mean this from the bottom of my heart, it really is an honor uh, to be here. There's, there's, there's not a few things I love more than teaching the Bible and hanging out uh, with college, college students. And I just, um, I, I want to say this as well, take it from someone who is, is a little bit more seasoned than you and has been following Jesus just a little bit longer uh, than you have. Uh, your yes to Jesus is the most important thing about your life. And I mean that. Uh, Jesus said there's a narrow road that leads to destruction and many will enter through it. Uh, And then he said there's a a broad, or I'm sorry, I got that backwards. There's a a wide road that leads to destruction that many enter through, but there's a narrow road that not many people will choose, but it leads to life and it leads to peace and it leads to joy. And And I am pleading with you, choose that way. 
culture and, and, and college and life is going to pull you in so many different directions. And I'm telling you, hear it from me, choose Jesus. And so I'm excited to continue to worship uh, him with you tonight. Uh, just so you don't think you're talking to a stranger, my name is Glenn again. Uh, I am uh, from Greenville, South Carolina. Anyone from Greenville here? Yeah? Okay. A lot of people. Uh, I am born and raised there. I went to Clemson. Uh, I graduated in 2017 with a uh, nuclear engineering degree. <laughs> I'm just playing. I was a PRTM major. Shout out. I'm also a little bit offended that y'all laughed as soon as I said that. <laughs> like y'all knew immediately. No, look, all jokes aside, I have a beautiful wife. Her name is Kit. Uh, we have a one-year-old. He turned one last week, and I love him with all of my heart. And so, listen, I don't have like a cool intro or anything. I'm really just kind of an average guy who loves Jesus. And so, if it's cool with y'all, I'm going to dive in tonight. Is that cool? Because my man, Rex Stancliffe, I don't know where he is. He, yeah, Rex, he, he's on the leadership team. He asked me to speak on a very important topic tonight, uh, and it's the doctrine of discipleship, the doctrine of discipleship. And we could talk about this from so many different angles and facets, but uh, I want you to know doctrine, by the way, is just a fancy word for biblical beliefs or teachings about a particular subject, okay? So I'm just gonna try to teach you what the Bible says about discipleship. And so uh, let's, let's, let's do this. I'm, I'm, uh, let, me, let me start off with this. Let me start off with this. Let me start off with... Um, telling you three things that discipleship is not, okay? Let's, let's just start there because working with young adults and growing up in like westernized southern church culture, people have a lot of different skewed views about what discipleship is. And so here's just three that I wrote down that, uh, again, that are not uh, the idea, the biblical idea of discipleship. Number one, uh, discipleship is not a hobby, Okay, it's not like a side thing that you do where you show up to church every once in a while and you're like a moral person, right? You don't smoke, you don't drink, you don't get a tattoo, uh, like, or, or you say grace before you eat dinner, right? You, you see this a lot in the South. It's this idea of like you got one foot in the world and one foot in the church. And everyone in here, including me, has always has been through a season of, you know, doing that. But it's, a, it's, it's the idea that you cannot continually over your lifetime have one foot in the church and one foot in the world. Following Jesus is not a hobby, okay? The second thing is uh, following Jesus is not the idea that Jesus is following you. And what I mean by that is uh, Jesus is like your genie in a bottle, Right? Or like anytime you need something done in your life, you, you call on Jesus. Or, or he's not like your bus boy when you get in trouble and, and, and bad things happen and it's like the only time you reach out to Jesus when, when you're like in a predicament, right? That, that's not the idea of discipleship. Or I wrote this down, it's not the idea of him doing what you ask him instead of the other way around. Jesus isn't your bus boy. The third thing that discipleship is not uh, it's not just asking Jesus to be your savior. And before you write me off as a heretic, what I mean by that is Jesus is called to be your savior and your Lord. And in the, the westernized south, we live in a culture where uh, people want a ticket out of hell, but they don't want Jesus to be the Lord of every area of their life. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. And so uh, discipleship is not a hobby. It's not the idea of Jesus following you, and it's not just asking Jesus to be your 
Savior. And so uh, here's what discipleship is. I'm going to throw a couple um, texts on the, on the screen. I think it'll be on the screen. And so uh, starting in Mark 1, verses 16 through 20. Are we on the screen? Great. Great, great, great. I'm going to pull it up on my computer. Cool. Starting in verse 16. So this is Jesus at the beginning of his ministry as he's calling his disciples. Here's what it says, starting in verse 16. Excuse me. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said. Come follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men, and they followed Jesus. Turn over one chapter, Mark 2, starting in verse 13. It'll be on the screen. Once again, Jesus went outside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, Alphaeus, I I don't know, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. Follow me. And Levi got up and followed him. A couple chapters over in Mark 8, verse 34. You're all familiar with this verse. It says, Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and what? Follow me. There's a theme all throughout Scripture, and Jesus says this multiple times, this idea that discipleship is Jesus saying, Come and follow me, or in other words, come watch the way that I live. Come watch the way that I talk to people. Come watch the way that I serve people. Come watch the way uh, that, I, that I love others. Come watch, come at my right hip and watch everything that I do. The Greek word for disciple is mathetius. I think I'm saying that right, which is translated follower or student. But that word doesn't do much justice because when we think of follower, we think of like social media followers, right? Or when we think of student, we think of like a university uh, student. Translators argue that the best word for mathetius in the English language is apprentice. It's apprentice. And so the question I want to answer tonight is this. What does it mean to be a true follower or mathetius or apprentice of King Jesus? And I want to just, and I didn't really know this until I was studying for this, Jesus didn't invent discipleship. Like in first century Jewish culture, discipleship was already established. It was a thing that had been happening for years. So when Jesus comes on the scene, he just continued the process of discipleship. And so when Jesus asked Peter and James and John and all these people to follow him and be uh, the disciple under Rabbi Jesus, they knew exactly what to expect. And they ordered their lives around three things. Three things that a disciple, uh, a first century disciple under a rabbi would order their lives around. And I believe that uh, we're supposed to order our lives around these three same things if you have raised your hand and said you want to follow Jesus. So I got three points that I'm going to pray and we're going to worship. Is that cool? Is that cool? Okay, great. Number one, to be an apprentice to Jesus, the first thing that we need to do is very simply, number one, be with Jesus. 
Be with Jesus. I want to read John 15, verses 5 through 8. Here's what it says. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and prove yourselves to be what? My disciples. And so, the order of these three points that I'm going to give you I'm convinced that this is by far the most important one because everything is lived out of an overflow of this, to be with Jesus, to spend every waking moment with him. And so you may be thinking, well, Jesus is not here, so how do I do that, right? And we don't have time to go to John 15 and 16 and 17, but Jesus said, I'm going to the Father and I'm going to send you what? A helper, a helper, I'm going to send you my spirit. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. So how are we with Jesus today in 2021? By his spirit. So how do we be with Jesus by his spirit? Write this down. It's learning to live in a constant state of awareness to the Holy Spirit. It's learning to live in a constant state of awareness to the Holy Spirit. So the metaphor Jesus uses of being with him is the idea of a branch and a vine. Right? Abide with me. Be close to me. If you read this chapter, Jesus uses the word abide or remain ten times. And Jesus shows his cards in John 15 and makes it very clear that he wants intimacy with you. Closeness with you. That you would behold his face at all times. This is his heart for you. Because he said it, if you do this, you'll bear fruit. And if you don't do this, apart from me, you can do Nothing. And also, I just feel like I'm supposed to say this. Some of you are, cannot believe that Jesus Christ would want to be with you and spend time with you. And just off my notes, I just, Jesus Christ and the cross is proof that God wants intimacy with you. It's proof. No matter what you've done, no matter what you're currently doing, the cross and Jesus Christ is proof that Jesus wants intimacy with you. You. So back to uh, this idea of learning to live in a constant state of awareness to the Holy Spirit. It's 24-7 communion with God. And here's what I want to say. Don't let this scare you, okay? This isn't like for the spiritually elite. It's not for pastors like me. It's for anybody. All right? It's the idea of practicing the presence of God. And what I mean by that, there's a guy named Brother Lawrence who's written a book about this called Practicing the Presence. And here's what I mean by practicing the presence. It's the idea of being two places at once at all times. If you're at Rally Tuesday, you heard me talk about this, so I'm sorry. I'm going to say it again. You need to hear it. It's the idea of practicing the presence, the idea of being in two places at once at all times. And you think, what the heck does that mean? What I mean by that is you can be walking on your way to class, but also with God acknowledging God. You can be driving on the way to work, but also with God. You can be doing your laundry in your uh, apartment, but also with God, right? If someone had a camera on me all throughout the day, people would think I was crazy because on the way to work, 
Guess what I'm doing? I'm talking to God, pretending he's right here in the seat beside me. And I'm not pretending he is. The presence of God is with me. Or I'm going into meetings and I'm saying, God, I need you in this meeting. I need you to speak through me. I need you to be with me, God. And I believe in that moment, he's in there in the meeting with me. Or as I'm walking on stage to come preach, I'm saying, God, I need you to be with me. I want to hear you as I'm preaching. It's a constant state of awareness to the Holy Spirit. I, uh, I ask, as I, obviously I work with young adults a lot, and I, a lot, one of the questions I ask all the time is, hey, how are you spiritually? And uh, usually the answer I get is like, well, I'm doing good. I've, I've been having a pretty good quiet time. And they connect with how they are spiritually to their quiet time. And I just want to tell you this. I think God is way more concerned about your acknowledgement of him all throughout the day than he is your 15 to 20 minute quiet time in the morning. Right? But we've been so conditioned in the South. I got to wake up. I got to read my Bible. I gotta, and listen, I'm with you. Do all of those things. I'm just saying that God is way more interested in you consciously being aware of his presence all throughout the day. Can you imagine? I wrote this down. Can you imagine what this would do for your mental health? Can you imagine what this would do for your anxiety and your worry? Can you imagine what this would do for your uh, desire to give in to temptation? Can you imagine if all throughout the day in everything you're doing, you're constantly, God, I'm aware of you. I'm abiding in you. I'm staying close to you. It's a big deal. And listen, let me get up in your grill real quick, okay, because I love you. Some of you, you'd rather spend hours on social media than 20 minutes in God's presence. TikTok, I get it. I, I hate it. I hate it, but I get it. You get trapped. You get caught, right? You start scrolling, and then the next thing you know, three hours are gone. And I'm telling you, you can't get distracted by the things of this world. There are so many things that want to get in your way uh, between your intimacy with Jesus, don't let it happen. Don't let it happen. Jesus wants you to pursue intimacy with him through reading your Bible, through prayer. And listen, can I just say this? We got to get back to spiritual disciplines. A hundred years ago, if you asked someone if they were a follower of Jesus, they would say, what do you do? Like, how, how can you prove you're a follower of Jesus? Well, I read my Bible, and I fast, and I tithe, and I pray. Right? In 2021, it's like, you're, it's legalism. No, bro, I don't do that. Like, it's, 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 it's turned into this thing where it's legalism. We have to get back to the spiritual disciplines. It's the primary way we grow in intimacy with Jesus and have a thriving relationship with him. Listen, I told this at rally as well. Um, I, so, I'm, I, like I said, I have a one-year-old now, okay? And uh, I'm kind of getting a dad bod, all right? It's okay. That's why I'm wearing all black, trying to make me, you know, look skinny. And uh, I love, like, I used to be kind of fit, you know, whatever. And I, now, like, I love the idea of being really in shape. Love the idea of it. Love the idea of a six-pack, you know. But on Friday night when my wife is like, hey, babe, you want to do pizza and ice cream? The answer is yes, every time. <laughs> every time. And so I love the idea of being fit, but my life doesn't necessarily reflect that. And some of you, you want intimacy with God, you want to be with him, but your life doesn't reflect that. we got to get back to the spiritual disciplines. we got to get back to abiding in Jesus and acknowledging him all 
throughout the day. The world is full of distractions and the kingdom is full of devotion to being with Jesus. Which one will your life be marked by? Which one will your life be marked by? So number one, we got to be with Jesus very simply, right? we got to abide in him. we got to pursue the spiritual disciplines. It's be with Jesus. And out of this place of awareness and connection to Jesus, you then start to number two, uh, my second point, become like Jesus. Become like Jesus. I want to read Galatians 5, starting in verse 22. Y'all know this text. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And in other words, let us acknowledge Him all throughout the day. Let us not become conceited Uh, provoking and envying each other. So the goal, uh, not just to be with Jesus, but then the goal is to become like your rabbi. And listen, the theological term for this is sanctification, the process of becoming more like Jesus. And the new kind of cool term for this is spiritual uh, formation, learning how to mature, grow, and look like Jesus. It's a process of growing and possessing the character traits of Jesus. So let me ask you this. Who in here wants to have more love, joy, peace, patience, et cetera, et cetera? Who in here? Show of hands. Everybody, right? Everyone in this room would say that. And let me just let you in on a little uh, secret, okay? You don't have to try hard to possess these things. If you are a follower of Jesus and the Holy Spirit lives in you, you possess every single one of these things. Every single one of them. And so what that means is you don't have to walk around trying to be more joyful. Trying to be more joyful. The way you... Uh, manifest joy and peace in your life is by spending time with joy and peace, the Holy Spirit. Spending time in the presence of God. You possess love, joy, peace, all of those things. You possess the fullness of those things because you possess the Holy Spirit. The way they're manifest in your life is by the time you spend with Him. Does this make sense? It's manifest by spending time in His presence. You don't strive to produce it. Verse 25, it says, keep in step with the Spirit. This is how it's produced in your life. Do you want behavior modification or real transformation from the inside out? Behavior modification, it works for a little bit, right? We've all been there. But I I want transformation, Holy Spirit transformation from the inside out. And that comes from Walking with him, acknowledging him all throughout the day. Also, let me say this. With the idea of spiritual formation, you know this. Maybe you don't. Every single one of you is being formed by something. The question isn't are you being formed, but who or what are you being formed by? Who or what are you being formed by? And so here's what I want to do. I want to be real practical. I want, to, I want you to write this question down in your journal, in your notes. Everyone take your journal out, notes, whatever. I want you to write this question down. Who do I want to be in 20 years? Who do I want to be in 20 years? That's, a, that's it's real, right? It's, a, it's kind of a question where you're like, oh, man, 
Who do I want to be in 20 years? Here's the question on the flip side of that. Does the life you're living right now reflect that? All of you would say, I want to be full of the Holy Spirit, abounding in love. I want to be full of joy. I want to be super kind, right? Like all of these things. Well, is your life right now reflecting that? Because listen to me, Jesus was not playing when he said, you reap what you sow. Proverbs said, show me your heart and I'll show you your future. What right now are you sowing into your life? What, what right now are you putting into your heart? If you want to become like Jesus in 20 years from now, have a life that looks like his, you have to abide and you have to let him form your heart. Not TikTok, not culture, etc., etc. You're, you're being formed by something. Please let it be the person and traits of King Jesus. So you gotta be with Jesus, which then leads to becoming like Jesus. And then the third point, the last thing, do what Jesus did. Very simply, right? This is not a profound message. This is super simple and practical, hopefully. Do what Jesus did. In any apprenticeship that you do, like this isn't new news to you. This is, this is simple. Like if anyone is in an apprenticeship or some type of internship, the goal is to eventually do the thing that you've been trained to do, right? It's like to go out and actually do it. And this is our goal as an apprentice to Jesus as well, to continue our rabbi's work. I love in Matthew 10, Jesus has been like casting out demons and preaching the gospel and healing the sick. And then in Matthew 10, he looks at his disciples, he says, all right, it's your turn. And he sends them out. And what do they do? They continue their rabbi's work. They begin to preach. They begin to heal. They begin to deliver. They begin to do the things that Jesus did. It's not just your job to know things about Jesus and know theology and go to church and be in a group. And listen, I'm not mocking those things. Those are all good things. You should all go to church. You should all be in a group. Part of my job is to get you to do those things. I'm just trying to get you to see that discipleship is so much more than that. Right? It's doing the things that Jesus did. And so I, I, we got a list that we're going to put up. And I just, I, I wanted to put up, it's not an exhaustive list, but just to name a few, here are the things that Jesus did. That as followers and, and apprentices of Jesus, this is what we're called to do. All right? Fasting, prayer, tithing, prophesying, evangelizing, eating with sinners. We've gotten away from this. People think, again, this is another like, oh, I don't eat with sinners. No, Jesus, look at Zacchaeus. Jesus ate with prostitutes. Jesus, this was like one of the main ways of evangelism for Jesus. He ate with sinners. He didn't do the things they did, but he ate with them and he loved them. Healing the sick, casting out demons. Anyone casted out a demon lately? No? You laugh. I know people that have. Honest to God. This is what Jesus did. Alone time with the Father. Being in community. Serving the church. I could, I could go on a rabbit trail here. Listen to me. You need to get your butt plugged into the local church. Blake Pitts, am I right? Get plugged into the local church. It's the greatest thing in the world. Serve the local church. I'm not, I don't have time to do that, but it's important. And it's the greatest thing you can do at your four years at Clemson. 
all right? Pursuing the poor and the marginalized and going and making disciples. Again, this isn't an exhaustive list. I do want to hit on uh, going and making disciples for a second. Uh, It was one of the last things that Jesus said, right? Matthew 28, before he ascends into heaven, he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Who is, this is my challenge, this is a challenge for you. Who is one person over the next four years at Clemson or six years or however long you're here, who is one person you can disciple or pour into? I'm not saying you gotta choose 12 and you gotta like do all this crazy stuff. Who is one person? Jesus said the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. We need more leaders. We need more disciples. And guess what? You're the vehicle through which that happens. It doesn't just appear. Jesus uses us to make disciples. Young young woman, there's a, or not, you're not a young lady, there's a young woman in middle school or high school whose parents just got divorced and they need you to take them under their arm and walk them through that season of life. Or there's a young man who's addicted to pornography or who, you know, whatever it may be, and he needs one of you guys to say, hey, let me show you how I've walked through this. Go and make disciples. It's your call on your life. I promise it is the most important and most life-giving and fulfilling thing that you can do. Listen, I'm not here to be impressive tonight. I'm not here to be profound. I'm here to be practical. I want to be helpful. And if you don't hear anything I say, go and make disciples. It's what Jesus did. And as an apprentice to him, it's our job to carry on the master's work. Right? Jesus went up to heaven. He said, all right, deuces. I'm sending you the Spirit. Go and do what I did. Bring the kingdom. It's our job. It's our call. Jesus was not a good, Jesus was not just a uh, good teacher, teacher or a moral person. He was a king ushering in, ushering in a kingdom called heaven. Therefore, if you're in Christ, you have a calling, whether you're a plumber one day or a teacher one day or an engineer one day or a doctor one day or whatever it may be, you have a calling and it's to usher in the kingdom. And you do it by first being with Jesus, which as a result, you begin to become more like him and possess the traits of Jesus. And then you go and do the things that Jesus did. Um, The thing that I love about um, King Jesus is uh, this invitation to discipleship, it's open to anybody. As I was thinking about this word apprenticeship and uh, you know, studying what an apprentice is. It said that uh, most companies or organizations, they choose like the top dog as an apprentice. The one who had the best grades or the best resume or the best, you know, whatever it may be. And it's funny because it's funny that's such a worldly thing. King Jesus is not looking for the, the best. He's not looking for the one with straight A's. He's not looking for the one that's not sinning. He's not looking for the one that's got it all together. Jesus is going after the addict. And, and he's going after the promiscuous. And he's going after 
the one who's riddled with anxiety and he's going after the broken and the marginalized. This is his heart. And I just want to simply unpack to you that this is the gospel. That Jesus Christ restored what was lost in the Garden of Eden. That in the Garden of Eden, God created this perfect world where, where God and man were connected in perfect intimacy. And what did we do? We messed it all up, right? They sinned against God. We turned our back to, against God and we did our own thing. And, and for the rest of the story of Scripture, man is separated from God. But the beautiful thing about Scripture is you see from Genesis, Genesis to Revelation, it's this story of God continuing to pursue man. Why? Like I said earlier, it's because Jesus is proof that God wants intimacy with you. He wants intimacy with you, but there was a problem. We're separated with God because of sin. A holy God cannot be in the presence of unholy, sinful people. It can't happen. Listen to me. If you're not a Christian in the room, listen to me. You cannot get to God. You are sinful. You are broken. And that may rub you the wrong way. You may think, well, I don't understand. But God made a way through his son, Jesus. This is the gospel. This is why we do FCA on Thursday night. This is why I'm a pastor. This is why I do what I do, because I love the reality that Jesus Christ came to seek and save the lost. That Jesus Christ hung on a cross and he died for my sin and for your sin so that whosoever believes in Jesus will be saved and will be reconciled to the Father and have intimacy with God. If he dresses the lilies with beauty and splendor, how much more will he clothe you? That verse can be true for you. It's through faith in Jesus Christ. And my prayer for you, uh, FCA, is that you would say yes to him for all the days of your life and that you would learn a lifestyle of being with him and being in constant awareness of his presence and then becoming like him. I want you 30 years from now to be a righteous oak where you're just full of love and full of kindness and full of joy and giving your life to serving and giving your life to the things of the kingdom of God. And then doing the things that he did, praying for the sick, tithing, reading your Bible, doing the things that God did. Because again, our call is to bring the kingdom of God. And so here's what I want to do. I want to pray for you. And if anyone uh, wants to give their life to Jesus tonight, if anyone has questions, if anyone just wants to pray or talk to somebody or something's on your heart weighing heavy on you, there's uh, the prayer and encouragement team. They're wearing glow bands, right? Is that what they're called? Glow bands? Yeah? Glow bands? Um, and they would love nothing more to, uh, to talk to you and pray with you and answer any questions that you have. So let me pray for you and then the worship team is going to come back on. Father, uh, we love you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you that you made a way for intimacy to be restored through your son, Jesus. Teach us what it means to be with you, God. Teach us what it means to become more like you and teach us what it means, teach us what it means to do the things that you did so that we can be fully mature, healthy disciples of you. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.